Hi, everyone. We had so much great stuff to talk about with Teresa Riley that we asked her to come back for a second conversation. In last week's episode, we talked a lot about her time at Rogers and how she got started in customer experience. This week, we're going to talk about her time with her current employer, Comcast, and some of the great work that they are doing there to improve customer experience. Long way to go. She'd be the first to admit it, but they're making a lot of interesting improvements And um, stay tuned for one of my absolute favorite examples of how to remove barriers for employees in a way that makes them believe that they can now contribute to better customer experiences. Trace, we've talked a lot about your last employer. Let's talk about your current employer and what brought you to the state. So you're with Comcast now. You've been with them for a few years Can you tell us about some of the major initiatives, major areas of focus uh, so far in your time at Comcast? The main reason I was brought um, into the organization was to focus on retail transformation. Um, And for anyone that's had any um, experience um, with Comcast a number of years ago in terms of the retail space, it was probably a stretch to really call it retail. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But they're really sort of uh, service centers they had bulletproof glass. They were generally located in industrial parks. And the only real transactions that you could do in those spaces was to swap out equipment or to pay your bill. Um, and really, my job was to work um, with the organization to transform it into a true retail experience, the same that you would expect that you know when you go into a Best Buy store or an Apple store or an AT&T store. So for me... Um, I was very heavily focused on um, moving. So it was interesting, the employees actually reported into finance, so shifting that reporting line into sales and marketing, moving these employees from really being uh, accountable on making sure that their drawers balanced at the end of the day and, <laughs> and being good cash counters to actually being um, you know, really good advocate and, uh, for the customer, really ensuring that they were actually servicing and selling in the appropriate way and then working to make sure that the environment actually started to reflect the right environment to be able to be successful in providing a great customer experience. So having products on displays, removing the bulletproof glass, training them around sales processes and um, focuses, and then making sure we had the right systems and tools to ensure that we could deliver on that. I like that you listed removing the bulletproof (laughs) glass (laughs) as as a key improvement to the retail environment. Right. Great recommendation for our listeners. Remove bulletproof glass (laughs) if you have it in your my, my mantra at the time, and it's funny, you know, you, you know, we laugh about it, but it was a battle. It was a real yeah. battle with security to get it removed. And, you know, my mantra at the time was, if the store really needs bulletproof glass, then I don't believe we need the store in that location. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, a, that's well said. And, um, it's, and, and to your point, it's certainly not a retail operation or location if it's got bulletproof glass, right? That, that is something else. And, you know, you, you are in a different business in a way than if, if that's something that is really truly required in your stores. Agreed. And I think, you know, even psychologically um, in the organization, we were in a different business. It, it was yeah. the only measure, as I said, the employees had on them was did their drawers balance at the end of the day and they reported to finance. So really, I think it was more, then even the mentality of the employees where they were bank tellers and actually, you know, shifting, you know, a significantly large workforce who shift from I'm a bank teller I need to make sure that the money adds up to I need to service and I need to sell and I need to understand customers' needs and I need to meet those needs. You know, that's a fundamental sort of shift, 
you know, for those employees. And it was is really, really large change that they went through. But I think it wasn't just the employees, it was the organization having to reset around what it is and, and what is the purpose of this function and then how do we maximize it for the success of the organization. So that's really interesting. I'm wondering, do you have a sense for how many of the retail employees were able to sort of shift and reprogram and get into that service mindset, that service model, and how many had to sort of go find different jobs because, you know, they go be bank tellers. Go be bank tellers. Yeah. They liked having they liked having the count going all day and weren't on board with a smile and friendly service to the customers. You know, one of the most astounding statistics that we learned through the course of this project was we have three separate divisions in the organization. And one of the divisions, the average tenure for those employees was seventeen years. And I was shocked. Um, generally in retail you're yeah. you're looking at at least 100% turnover each year. But surprisingly, um, you know, I think that Comcast is a good employer and people did enjoy working for them. And even though we did have such long tenure, of course we saw movement. You know, and I'd say that probably about 70% of employees could actually make that move and that jump. The other 30%, you know, realized that that wasn't the role for them and self-selected and and ends up sort of moving into different roles. I would have expected it probably to be lower than 70%. So that's interesting. To that point, it's the realization that if you give people the right tools, the right training, the right environment, and the right level of support and encouragement, it's amazing what people can do. You know, quite often we think that people have a certain skill set and that's what they're suited to. But I fundamentally believe that you can generally take almost anyone, you know, the right environment, the right time, the right focus, the right support, and really get a great outcome. Yeah, I have seen that, Trace. I've heard of a lot of companies when they really do make that shift, being surprised on the upside about how many employees can get with the program. And I think you just laid out the optimistic case for this, right? That people, if you give them the right environment, they can thrive. And also, I would say, you know, most people are social beings, right? We're comfortable being nice to each other and living in a society surrounded by other people. So we're, we're happy to be nice to people. And then if you want to be cynical about it, it's that humans are sort of endlessly adaptable, as you can see, right? We can sort of adjust to anything. And so uh, if you tell me this, these are the new rules in which I need to try and figure out how to be successful, well, I'll just figure it out. And so, you know, maybe that's cynical and I'm gaming the system, but hey, they're gaming the system for good customer experience. So it works out either way. Absolutely right. So can you talk about some of the changes that you made in the physical environment and, and with the employees in those retail stores? I think, you know, one of the first things we did, and this is really sort of that change management and the psychological changes and agreements you need to make with your employees. So first thing we did was we looked for inefficiencies in the organization and the way in which they operated and work with them to remove those inefficiencies. And the reason we focused on that first was we wanted to be able to sort of provide them with something and ultimately it was time. So, um, you know, in something very basic around sort of remotes, um, they used to be out in the back store and a customer would come in and would want a remote and then the employee would walk out and then they'd rummage through a box and they'd get the remote and they'd walk out. And that would generally take, you know, when we timed it, you know, two and a half, three minutes. We'd move the remotes to drawers right beside where they stood. So if you were swapping 20 remotes in a day and we were able to shave sort of two minutes off each transaction, we'd brought them 40 additional minutes in their day. Then by actually demonstrating that we brought them that time, we then trained them on how they could actually utilize that 40 minutes in a different way 
to really understand the customer's needs, understand how they use the products and what was the right sort of solution for that customer. And then, you know, one of the other sort of structures that we put in was that sort of sales process. We called it great, which is, you know, make sure that you greet, relate, explore, ask and thank. And for me, um, frameworks are crucial in providing some level of guidance, but not actually creating that really scripted sort of place where they feel that they have to say words exactly the same way. It gives them sort of a guidance, but it gives them flexibility. You know, even though most times it was a linear process, you know, making them aware it didn't have to be linear and they could make changes in the way it worked depending on the customer they're engaging or how comfortable they felt. And then also, you know, really giving them a significant amount of training and investing in them to make sure that they fully understood our products. They fully understood how things worked so that they had a level of confidence when they're engaging with the customers. And then making sure that we really celebrate the wins, started to get them to be proud of the results, um, you know, and, and, and healthy competition in the way in which they operated and worked. So there are a couple of examples of the things that we did. But, you know, I think it was important that we actually got that sort of psychological agreement by feeling like we gave them something in terms of giving them time back so that they felt that we'd given them something that they could then utilize to make themselves successful. I love the example of the remotes because it's something that is so obvious once you've uncovered it but nobody would necessarily think to themselves like, wow, I'm wasting 40 minutes a day going in the back room. But once you've uncovered it, it's such an obvious thing to do. Agreed. And that was, you know, we probably had at least five separate examples of that. I mean, another one was the cash counting. Um, At the end of the day, they would have to cash out and they would partner up and you would count your cash and then I would count your cash. And then if there was a discrepancy, we'd count it again. And, And it was interesting. It went on for 30 minutes. And just by making a simple change where... I watch you count your cash, and if I think it's good, it's good. And in the end, we say for every employee in the organization, we're talking about 5,000 employees, we save 15 minutes per day. And that was significant. And even if, you know, at worst case, there was actually a miscount and there was $5 out, if you had up that time, that $5 is worth nothing compared to the amount of yeah. time we're spent doing the cash counting. I love that example, too, because you're expanding the definition of what counts, right? the employee's time counts. And we know that, but we forget it when we're counting cash, right? And the cash is not the only expense here. The time to count the cash is an expense. And to your point, I think it's so crucial to signal that you're valuing employees to the extent that you're looking for all of these ways to carve out time in their day for them to do something that it might be perfectly acceptable to them to do, you know, to be part of that great training and to try and apply that. But when am I going to do it? I got to go in the back and get the remotes. I got to count the cash at the end of the day. I got to do the other things that you probably were able to sort of make more efficient for them. And if you say, look, we're asking you to do this and we have found these efficiencies where we, we believe that we can save you all this time in your day. And, and by the way, they're almost all taking up out the annoying parts of your day right. too, right? I the things, the yeah. repetitive, <laughs> frustrating tasks, you've suddenly got them, right? They're, they're leaning into saying, oh, okay. I, I see what, what's in it for me here. There's, there's a lot of advantage that the way I spend my day is going to be much more enjoyable now and not just an extra burden that I have to f- figure out how to work into an already crowded schedule. Yeah, and all the time that I've worked, um, you know, with frontline employees or in any organization, I find that when you make an ask of someone and it's a new ask 
and you don't make any other changes around it, they really feel burdened. They feel yes. like you've actually placed additional work on them. So for me, whenever you're driving transformational change, it's where can you find the gives and the take? And then you feel that you've actually started to make agreements with them and that I will either give you money or I will give you time. And by me handing that over, this is what I'm expecting. And I feel if you apply that model whenever you're dealing with change management, you generally get a much better outcome as opposed to just imposing three or four new things on them without actually, you know, having regard for everything else that's going on or providing something in terms of a trade. I love that. That's great. I know that you've done a lot of things since working on this retail transformation. Can you give us some of the more recent projects that you've been working on? Sure. So I think at the moment, um, the most sort of current one I'm working on is around activation. Um, and when I say activation, it's from the point in which a customer places an order right the way through to them being educated around their products and services, having them activated, and then ensuring that they actually pay um, their first bill. Um, and interestingly, you know, we say the word activation and it seems very easy and, and it all should connect, but there's probably, you know, well over 400 different sort of things that go on within that space to make it a successful um, interaction for our customer. Um, and at the moment, um, and interestingly, we're focusing right at the beginning around order entry and really building out a whole new sort of system for our employees and for our customers. And this is about, you know, once again, adjusting to the market conditions and the expectations. So, you know, quite often today when you walk into one of our retail stores, for example, they're tethered to a desk because they have a massive PC there and they place the order. And we know, and I know I've done this, where, you know, when you try to peek around and you want to see the screen, <laughs> um, and, and quite often they're these awful, ugly, you know, old sort of systems that people are keying into. And for us, it's about... How do you get that transaction onto an iPad? How do you share that view with the customer? How do you get them engaged as part of that experience? And then also remove away, um, you know, one of the sort of the problems that we have is quite often when people are putting in an order for a new service is our employees are using calculators to work out costs and different sales taxes. They have to have a lot of a huge memory of rate codes and detailed information. And, and for us, it's a realization. And even the fact it takes seven weeks for us to train our employees currently today on these complex systems so that they can actually place an order for our customers. So really improving that whole experience. But once again, not just doing the, you know, the employee is crucial and important and we want to absolutely improve the experience for them so they don't have to sit through seven weeks of training, but realizing that the customer is a crucial part of that and that they want to see these screens and they want to be engaged in that process. So um, that's a key area of focus that I have today. And I love that example of bowing to the reality that that screen needs to be customer appropriate because mm. customers are trying to peek around to look at it and the employee is probably better off, right? It probably is an easier experience. Frankly, it's an easier experience if it's customer appropriate for the employee because that means it's going to be prettier and easier to, to, to read and use. But also it's easier for them if they can co-browse with the, the customer and sort of show them what they're seeing and guide them along with their journey rather than having those long periods in between as they wait for screens to load or wait for the information to pop up. And it's and nice even on customers that to be able to see like, Yes, you're entering it correctly. Yeah, like, yeah that's how yeah, you yeah. spell yeah, my that's name. Right. Yes, that's my address, right? Yeah. As opposed to just sort of hoping that the person has <laughs> keyed it in correctly. Absolutely. And for me, it's even the physical aspect of it um, in that, you know, when you're standing opposite someone, quite often that can drive to conflict. Um, when you are standing beside someone, and you, it actually shows a sense of working together 
as opposed to working against. And, and even that physical shift of moving a customer from standing in front of you to standing beside you really actually changes the dynamics of the relationship in a positive way. Um, and I think quite often, you know, we think about order entry and we think it's a computer system and, and how we put information into a system. But for me, it's also the physical environment and the physical dynamics of what's going on during that transaction. And it's amazing when you make that sort of physical shift of moving that customer beside you, how much better that interaction goes. Great. Well, Trace, thank you for joining us again on CXCast. We really appreciate it. Listeners, we'll post some links in the show notes to uh, some of the relevant research that relates to what Trace was just talking about. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of CXCast. And remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality. Thank you.